Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I am mixing it up for you today. I am joined by a very good friend of mine and colleague, Franny Dansinger. And if you don't know Franny, you're going to get to know her very, very well. But let me rewind and go back to the very first time that we met, because today you're going to get to hear Franny's incredible ability uh, to drive growth for her organizations in her role in sales. But she did not start in sales in her career. And the very first time I met her was in San Francisco. And uh, I was invited to an event. It was a Bizzo event. Uh, Bizzo is no longer around, and maybe we'll touch on that. But back in that day, I was invited to this event, and I was really inspired by the agenda to come and learn what these guys were doing. And uh, ironically, Franny and I were riding an elevator down together. We didn't know each other at that point and walked out of the elevator on the same floor. I went to the restroom and then I came in and, and checked in and there she was in the front of the room and was the, the maitre d' just introducing and, and setting things up. And I was really, really impressed with just Franny's professionalism and how articulate she was. And um, that was my very first time meeting her and experiencing. And, you know, fast forward, Eight to 10 years later, she and I have been on a a pretty parallel journey together in MarTech. And in her current role, we spend a lot of time in the the field together. And Franny, uh, as you know, we just saw each other at B2BMX, which was a great conference once again. And you and I were in the hallway and we were checking in with each other and talking about each other's families. And I always have on the brain, like, who would be someone phenomenal for the podcast? And the reason that I invited you and wanted you to have is I don't know anyone on the planet, and I've worked with many, many, many salespeople that I consider a better and more multifaceted salesperson than you. And and I want to unpack, as they say, what it is that you do and how you do it. So thank you for joining me and and welcome. It's great to have you uh, one-on-one. Well, thank you for having me, Dave. Franny, your career, you didn't start in sales and you were more in a uh, business development and and, uh, marketplace development role. So before we get into how you do what you do in sales, tell me a little bit about the path because, you know, along your journey, you, you learned some incredible skills around alliances and strategic partnerships, and you've certainly leveraged that in what you do, but you also have phenomenal marketing skills as well. And you're, you're really, as I said, multifaceted. So tell me a little bit about your origin story and, and how we got to it, even though I know some of the, the highlights you made critical career decisions to leave kind of what you knew and eventually move into full-time sales role, if, if you can call it that, which, yeah. which, which we'll explain. Yes, exactly. So my career path has definitely been a little atypical. And certainly, if I rewind almost 30 years, I would not expect to be where I am today. So my career path, my passion, my heart was always set on media, marketing and advertising. And I spent the first 20 plus years of my career building and growing media teams, agency side. I loved the life. Uh, while I wasn't in a uh, quota-carrying sales role, I was always selling. We were always pitching, new business pitches, et cetera. And I, I had just a, a love for that environment, the fast pace, et cetera. 
and, you know, many, many years into it, I was starting to get not just a little bit of burnout, but that combined with having three young children traveling all over the world, having a ton of responsibility, having a team of over 30 people, it was definitely starting to wear on me. And I had to make some pretty hard life decisions. And I didn't really know what to do with those. So the first kind of pivot that happened for me is I was approached by a gentleman, Mark Dye, and he was one of the co-founders of Bizzo at the time, which you mentioned at the beginning. And I was one of Bizzo's largest customers on behalf of my customers at the agency. And Mark and I had gotten to know each other very well over the years. We were talking often, obviously we're engaged in business together. And he knew that I was struggling a bit with the future um, balancing, you know, work-life balancing, a working mom, et cetera. And so he approached me and said, you know, I know that you have your heart set on media and agency, but what do you think about stepping out of your comfort zone and joining us at Bizzo? And at first I kind of looked at him and said, you're crazy. This is where I belong. I'm flattered. I appreciate it, but no way. And he kept pounding me down and eventually that was the move I made to join Bizzo. It was completely different than the role that I had agency side for so long. They made up a role for me, which at the time they called uh, marketplace development. We didn't really know what that meant. But what Mark knew is that I had a pretty robust skill set. I had tenacity, energy, persistence, and a passion to succeed. And those were the things that he saw in me. And so then we worked together to figure out where could I add value to Bizzo as an organization to help it spread its wings, to help it grow, and where could they add value to me in growing in, along my career path. When, um, when I met you and you were standing there in front of the room with Russ and Mark, and, and for those that don't know, as I said, Bizzo isn't around any longer. They were acquired by LinkedIn, and LinkedIn, as probably all of you know, was acquired by Microsoft. So Franny, Franny's got some good picks, both as being their client and then joining their team. You, you had great command of the room, right? This was, your, your presence is, is felt, and, and I've always watched that, whether you're in the front of the room, you know, being uh, an MC or where you're just in the room. And I think that's a, a big part of your personality, which is a very um, vibrant, lively, and energetic. And I, you know, you and I have, have talked about how you have this very special gift for having really compelling and, and meaningful conversations with people. And you can do that whether you're in the front of the room or, or one-on-one. I think personally, you're your best one-on-one because you are so authentic in your approach. And it, it's no doubt probably made you why you've been so successful now in sales. When you moved along um, in your career and left Bizzo, uh, you did a short stint uh, at, in, as a VP of Strategic Solutions, and then um, you know moved to, to Sixth Sense, and once again kind of took your hand at, at moving into an environment that was really new in the predictive intelligence uh, space back then. And what I noticed about you in that role is you you had to help define the market. You had to become uh, an evangelist and educate people. So you weren't necessarily selling something that was known, you were selling the unknown and and creating market development. Um, What's it like for you when you move into these new companies? And that's a a pattern for you, right? You've not necessarily worked at a Salesforce or 
a company that's more mm-hmm. established. You'd like to help make the market and be with these companies that are, um, you know, plotting their journey. What what do you think gravitates you to that? So that's exactly right, and that's where my passion lies because these companies I've worked for. So integrate where I'm currently at is my fourth startup I've worked for. All have been really similar, as you said, in defining the market. So what's what's most challenging and exciting to me in that environment is I'm genuinely helping marketers to solve problems. And these are problems that exist. They are never going to go away. There's no right answer to solving all of these problems. And frankly, for marketers, many of whom are my customers today, they struggle with priorities. How do we solve for these problems? What's more important? What do we do first? How do we put these things together? And what I find most fulfilling is being able to sit in a room with a customer, with a prospect, with a marketer, and actually just have a a really heartfelt discussion on all these different subjects and help to guide, coach, teach them, and give them a layer or a level of comfort and support that they just don't feel innately. And then by virtue of the companies I'm representing, putting a plan or a program together to help their dreams become reality and help them see success. And at the same time, I, I am very authentic and the folks that I work with know this about me. And if I'm representing a company that isn't necessarily a right fit to help support the customer based on what their needs are, I will also be very transparent in letting them know that as well. One of the reasons that I wanted to have this conversation with you and, and share it with everybody, and and you know, I hope here's what you're in store for is I wanna I wanna really dissect how Franny does what Franny does as a salesperson. I think those of us in marketing um, can really benefit by this, you know, multidisciplined type of approach that she has. And I'm gonna share with you like a lot of the things that we've done together and ask Franny to share how she does what what she does. And I'll tell all of you like it's, you know, for someone who runs a services company, it's been extremely hard for us over our 13 years to find and hire top sales talent. You know, we we sell the invisible in some ways because we don't have a product to necessarily demo and that type of stuff. And for any you know, you've been like, you know, like the prom queen that I've asked out like a million times, say, Franny, why don't you come join our sales team? And you're like, nope, nope, nope. I like, I like the product side of the world and, and do that. And I, I know you always take that as a strong compliment of just uh, how proud I am of you and, and admire what, what you do because you're, you are, Definitely rare to me in my experience because, so again, that you bring a business development mindset, a marketing mindset, and certainly the sales um, skills that you have. You just took down the single largest deal in company's history uh, over there. And um, it doesn't surprise me that, that you've done that. I think you've also done probably the most number of, of uh, brought on the most number of new clients over there. But before we get into sales, when you and I, our teams, have done joint events, and I, I think every marketer is going to like scratch their head on this. Like, we'll do a joint dinner together, or we'll do a joint event together, and you'll say, "Let's do this, Dave." And you work with Tiffany, and you're like, "Let's architect the event." You plan it, and you really go into like marketing mode. Like, you know, let's orchestrate what the content's going to be and the strategy and where it's going to be. You even do your own site selection and fly out and look at the restaurants or the different venues, like. You know, you're not your typical salesperson, but you, what's incredible is you get 
so many people to attend that I'm actually never concerned when we do something with you about having enough people there. I'm, I'm normally, as you know, like reaching out to you going, make sure you save us some seats so that we can bring some of our own clients <laughs> and people there. And you're just a, a, a master. Can you dive into like a day, week, month in life of how you do what you do? It's amazing. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate the recognition of that. And I do, uh, I do look in the mirror and realize it is unique. And it makes me really proud of what I've developed. But I, I will just say that over time, there's never one right answer. Uh, the success that I have in, in doing things like this and working in partnerships and just in driving my own sales revenue comes from creativity plus persistence and tenacity. And again, I'll use that word authenticity. And so I am extremely resourceful. So we'll take the background that I have, you know, growing up most of my career in media and marketing, that's the background that is instilled in me. So most salespeople that I work with or that I, uh, that I'm experienced have much more of a typical upbringing in sales. That's not my upbringing. I actually have no formal sales training, which is kind of amazing to think about, but I have the marketing upbringing. And so when I sit back and I think, what is the goal? Right. So our goal jointly between sales and marketing is to drive revenue. That's our joint goal. When we're thinking about running an event, that is one tactic to be able to have conversations and open up doors with your customers and or your prospects in building those relationships. And so I really think about all the different avenues that are at my disposal for how to touch other people. And there's no right answer. So where I think I differ or I know I differ from most salespeople is most salespeople are inherently lazy. I am nothing from lazy. Um, That word is not in my vocabulary at all. And I really leave no stone unturned. So there's so many channels out there. There's social media. I'm a huge proponent of LinkedIn and especially LinkedIn sales navigator. And we could talk a little bit more about that. Um, But I use every channel and especially my own network because this is a big world that we live in, but there's a very close degree of separation between all of us. So you know people that I know, et cetera, and I use that network to my full advantage. And I am also reciprocally available for others in my network to be able to riff off of me and allow me to help them in relationship building, et cetera. So that's really, um, you know, the crux of how I do what I do is just being able to be thoughtful, resourceful, use the tools that are out there to the greatest ability that they offer. And no is a word that just is never in my vocabulary. Uh, Someone that I worked with years ago told me that no stands for next opportunity. (laughs) That's all it means. Right. And that, that's truly what I look. Well, it's, you know, one other one other funny thing, and, and this actually, I won't mention the, the gentleman by name, but it's someone who used to work with me and with you previously. But when we were on the same team at Integrate, he used to say to me and complain about me that he felt like I always had an unfair advantage because I always was able to fill the room. I was always able to get people to dinners and events, et cetera. And I said to him, you know what? I don't have an unfair advantage. 
I have an advantage that I have created. I'm more than happy to show you what I do. You can do the exact same thing. And he and I still talk to this day and he comes back to me for questions and help just with methodology. But I always remember those words thinking, it's not unfair. We all have the same opportunity in front of us. It's just a matter of what you do with it. I know who you're talking about, and, and yes, he is no Franny Dansinger, but, but no one is. Um, <laughs> you know, for, for almost 29 years, 30 years, you have been in, in boxing uh, and personal training and a group fitness instructor. And you know, a lot of us talk, uh, you know, I've, I've hired salespeople, ran sales team prior to being at Demand Gen, and I've always looked for people that are athletic, um, and especially in single sports competitions. I was a competitive skier. Uh, and was into karate. And I was, you know, even my hobbies like DJing through college is a very individual yeah, hobby sport. Um, you know, you're, I'm always trying to perfect my craft at what I do, even with the podcast, you know, looking at mm-hmm. guests and content and that type of stuff. And so people like you who are so driven to perform, it's not surprising. I want to share with you, and I think I once did, but I'll share with everyone, like sometimes a persona like Franny does have... Uh, a reaction um, and maybe an undesirable reaction at time because you talk about how persistent you are. I was on a plane trip to Serious Decisions uh, one time and a former client of yours, um, but before she was a client, I was talking about your solution and I said, she brought up some topic about content syndication and I said, you know, are you looking at at, uh, at Integrate? And she said, um, I am and she talked that she was working with you and she goes, but she's so persistent. Like, you know, she's like, I've got other priorities and yada, yada. I go, you do know where Franny's coming from. Like she fully believes that this is the right solution for you. And she wants to make sure that she's trying to help you. And she goes, I know, but she's so persistent. So I'm sure she's not the only person. And by the way, they ended up becoming a client. And, um, you know, that's how that story story ends. And I think you guys have become close uh, ever since then, kind of post, post-engagement. But how do you... Mm-hmm. You know, flip the other side of, of, of how your personality shows up to some people and, and have that reaction. How do you deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. And it's funny because the woman you're speaking of, she then became a two-time Integrate customer. And we since have become really good friends. So I think that is ironic. But look, I'm not for everyone. Uh, that is for sure. And I often ask for feedback. And I do listen to the feedback I get. I'll ask my colleagues, people that I report into, just to read messaging to see what they think. Um, But I have definitely received some feedback. And some folks have said to me, I think you're, you're being a little too much. I think you're being a little too assertive. And you know what? My response to that, frankly, and I mean this with all my heart, if you're afraid to change the status quo, then it's not right for us to have a conversation. Thank you for your feedback. And we move on. And I'm not going to bug them or be in their face. I mean, my goal is not to be an annoyance or to be stalking anyone. And and you're right that if I am that persistent, it's because I know enough to know that what I represent, at least from a strategy standpoint, can help and make a difference in their bottom line. I get and I respect that people are busy. Everyone has a very long list of priorities. But generally, I find that when people either don't give you the time of day or are not willing to have conversations or not willing to 
really think about the information you're sharing. They're really just afraid of the status quo, afraid to make a difference, and may not really even understand their own goals and objectives and how they can accomplish them. Yeah. I want to get to, uh, in a moment, I want to go deeper on the LinkedIn stuff, the, your usage of LinkedIn, like how you use the network and, and what uh, what you actually do in terms of your outreach. But before we before we go to that, you know, I said almost half joking, like you and I have had good one-on-ones where I said, have you thought about joining DemandGen and coming into our sales organization? You said, you know, Dave, I'm really a much more product-centric person. And when I've talk to you about that. And I'm going to be very, you know, candid. I think maybe I've shared this with you. I've also thought of you as like, well, Franny could be a real liability too. I mean, she has a lot of unorthodox methods um, and she, she likes to do things her way. And what I mean by that is, you know, you will look at events and go, okay, I'm going to host a dinner, whether, whether you have the budget or not type of thing. Um, the holiday's coming and I, you know, I, you treat your clients like friends and you send them gifts. Um, and I'm like, you know, what what would it be like actually working with her where she's going to make her own decisions and be incredibly insertive about things are? And what if those aren't programs or plans that we do? The thing is, Franny, it all works for you and it works for the company that you you work for. But you you are a little bit of, um, I'm, I'm running my own business. I mean, you treat sales like you are a business within the business and you have your own marketing plan, your own sales plan and, and your own, uh, form your own strategic alliances. So, um, how, how does that, uh, what's it, what's it like, uh, for management to, to work with you when Franny's got a game plan? So that's a, that's a really good point. And it definitely is challenging and it does pose, um, an issue or issues sometimes. So I've, Integrate is the fourth startup that I've worked for. So in the startup world and environment, when you're early on, I mean, at Bizzo, I think I was employee 40 something and, and was there through acquisition by LinkedIn. But when you're in that startup mode, you are a lot scrappier. There are less formal rules of engagement. Uh, there are less formal marketing programs, etc. So in those environments, it is a little bit easier for me to be my own CEO and CMO combined, to run my own business, um, not to be a recluse, to always have some definition around budget, goals, um, ROI on that budget, et cetera. At Integrate and the environment I'm in now, we are definitely in much faster growth mode. We've made two acquisitions last year. Mm-hmm. And so those rules have most definitely changed. Um, the There are rules in place and it is most certainly um, not, it, at least from my lens, it is not a free-for-all. I, I, I cannot just sit back and say, here's what I want to do. I'm just going to go do it. There are absolutely rules. And so it's a, it's a conversation and a discussion around here are the desires Here's the why behind them. Here's what the expected results are. And as long as all of that is delineated and discussed up front, for the most part, I am able to feel successful to implement the types of programs that I think are required in order to drive the business that I'm driving. Yeah. Now, you know, in any sales organization, numbers are what talks, right? And so I'm a high performer and producing revenue for the company. And so therefore, there is a little bit more leniency in allowing me to do things that other people, it's not that they don't have the opportunity 
to do. They may not ever, ever even ask to do certain things. Right, they don't. You invent these programs. You come up with them. Right. And then you also, like when I saw you beat MMX, you were saying, hey, it's it's spa day again. I'm not going to be able to go to the ball game with you guys because I've got spa day. And you said, it's crazy to think back that when I started this idea a couple of years ago, now 80% of the people who join you are your customers. And so you know the mm-hmm. ROI of, of this stuff. And, um, but you do it also authentically. Like you're not, you're not putting these, these programs together just for, for Franny's purpose. Like you realize that, as you said, part CMO, CEO hat, like what is it going to take for us to drive the business, especially in these markets where these are new products and new categories and that type of stuff. Um, tell, tell, tell us about spa day. Um, where did that idea come from, and, and what is it these days? It's a, it's a very clever Franny program. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, so, you know, Spa Day started with an event which happens to be my favorite event, which is B2B MX, uh, Business Business Marketing Exchange, always been held in Scottsdale. Well, the last several years has been held in Scottsdale, various resorts. But the fact that that event attracts a very high caliber audience across demand marketers, marketing operations, those are the folks that we are talking to as a business. And for the last many years, those are the folks I've been talking to as a business. And the fact that that event is at a remote location, almost 95% of the people that come in for that event are traveling from somewhere. So people are not distracted to go home to families and children and in deadlines back at the office, et cetera. People really are in the moment of being at a remote location. The event starts on a Monday. So I don't know, the brainchild probably five years ago was if you have to be here for Monday morning, why not come in on Sunday and why not treat our prospects and our customers to an afternoon of just relaxation, enjoyment, uh, et cetera, to kick off the week. Over the years, like you said, it has been so rewarding for me to watch how this grows. And people now come to me and ask, are you doing spa day versus me even going out and inviting people. But the environment is just such a, um, a nice, wholesome feeling. And again, that authenticity is very true. And you, know, you think about lifetime value of a customer. That starts well before they even become a customer. And now... 80% of the folks attending this spa day are customers with some additional prospects brought in, but there's just nothing like it. And the feedback, 100% of the feedback is how appreciative and grateful the folks who attend are for the opportunity to just do something that's a little different, that's relaxing, obviously enjoyable personally, but the, just the conversation is amazing. And you're sitting around in robes with with uh, with your clients right. and 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 prospects. Doesn't get more more intimate than that in terms of getting to to know right. someone. Uh, let's talk about LinkedIn and really like it's time for you to break out. Let let's pretend we are uh, we're on like a cooking show, and I'm I'm the host that that knows nothing about how to do what you do, and and you and I are standing behind a camera uh, counter. The cameras are on us, except in front of you is LinkedIn, and it's. It's, it's your tool set. What do you do? How do you do what you do from an outreach and engagement perspective? Walk us through that. So that might take us hours, but I'll, I'll try to do it as, as quickly as I can. So first, I use LinkedIn Sales Navigator, which is a tool that came to the market during the time I was at Bizzo. 
And I was very much an early adopter of that tool because I had I had great training from LinkedIn, um, from our sales and customer success folks. So I really bought in to the dream of how Sales Navigator could differentiate from a business development and sales perspective. And over the years, LinkedIn has also supported that and has done annual sessions and meetings, et cetera, that have helped me to up my game in uh, using the tools. But just, you know, for the sake of where do you even start? The benefit of using a tool like Sales Navigator, it allows you to go in and do research against the customers and or prospects that are part of your target audience, as well as by uh, job title, function, level of seniority, et cetera, all the firmographic type of data that we care about. But not only can you do that research, you can then save the information. And once you save it, not only do you have it as a resource to come back to, um, Sales Navigator is synced directly with many tools, but especially for me as a salesperson, my native environment is Salesforce. And so the data from Sales Navigator syncs back into Salesforce, which is amazing to have everything all in one place. Mm-hmm. And then in addition, when I'm going through and I'm saving companies and I'm saving contacts, and what I mean by saving them is I'm actually tagging them and clicking a button that says save. And so what that means is, day, and I have different alerts that are set up, but daily I am getting alerts that show me if the company or the contacts that I have saved are in the news. Have they published something? Is the company in the news? What's going on, et cetera? And that all rolls up to an alert that I can push or pull. So I can go into Sales Navigator, see all of my alerts, or I'll get an email push that comes in once a day in the morning with a listing of all those alerts. So that helps me to be really insightful and on top of what my customers and my prospects are thinking about. Not just what's out on Google, it's just business information that's at my fingertips. So I use that all the time. All of my accounts are saved. I'm constantly going in and making sure, you know, contacts, have they moved jobs? Are they still current, et cetera? And there's tools like Outreach and Sales Loft, as you know, to help with like sequencing yeah. and, and communication. But what what's what's Franny's sequences look like? What's what's your outreach? What's your messages? What kind of approaches do you take to get the kind of successful engagement that you do? So there's no one answer to that, but I'll tell you one rule that I have, and the, that one rule is I am never ever going to attempt to try or to sell anyone anything on a LinkedIn message. So where I see a lot of people falter and not have success is they'll reach out, maybe they'll make a connection with someone, and then immediately that next message is, glad we connected, did you know this, 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 and can I sell you this? Mm -hmm. I'm being kind of coy with that, but you see that all the time. Every day. And that, yeah, and that completely goes against, again, the authenticity and the connections that you're making. And so when I do have the ability, uh, when I've reached someone or they've reached out to me and we've connected, that conversation genuinely starts with subject that is of interest to them or of interest to me. And it's not, we went to the same college. That to me is just weird. Who cares? (laughs) I don't care where you went to college. You don't care where I went to college. But if you were engaged in some 
philanthropy or some organization or you've done something that really is exciting professionally, I'm going to read all that. I'm going to engage with all that. And I'm going to want to talk to you about it because I care. And if I don't care, I'm not going to say anything. But I, I genuinely find that that type of engagement is what helps to break the ice and get some conversations rolling and not always, you know, pushing things down people's throats. No one wants to be sold to in these days. Everyone's got busy lives. Everyone's got pains to solve for. So how can I, as a partner, add value and show um, means of communication that, you know, that help them in, in the problems that they're trying to solve for every day? So when you're having these these conversations um, and, and you're not showing up to sell, you're showing up to, to help or solve... Tell me how that sequence, that communication, the thread going back and forth, ultimately has you engage in some way. What are you, what are you focusing on that um, leads from a chat and a get to know to some engagement? So, uh, again, generally, I'll say it, it will start with just some kind of communication back and forth. Maybe we've connected. And then it will move to something that's happened in the industry or some piece of work or blog that that person has published. And I will try to draw some conclusions from that or draw what's relative to what they're saying to the lens of the world that I see. And then we kind of let things sit for a minute, Mm -hmm. because maybe not a minute, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, because again, if you keep going back and forth, I mean, we all get excited, right? Someone responds to your LinkedIn message or in-mail and you're super excited, right? Especially your BDR, that's what you live for. But then the problem becomes, what do you do with that after? And so a lot of times I'll let things sit so that you're not overzealous. You're not anxious to immediately continue that conversation. And then now that I have some context for what matters to them, things that they're engaged with, maybe what's happening in the news about your company. I mean, certainly what's going on right now with the coronavirus is top of mind for everyone. But then I might share a piece of content or did you know? And again, it's not about integrate and what I am talking about or what I know how integrate might be able to help them. But it's more about, did you know this? Have you thought about this? I ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And then generally from there, if the conversation is going to continue, it will turn to a phone call or an email from there and the LinkedIn messages subside. Love it. You should, you should take your expertise and, and teach in this area or, or offer content in this area. Cause I, I do think that you are truly a master of, of the craft of, and, and you've been doing it now for something like 12 years. I mean, you're very, very mm-hmm. early adopter of it and, and have certainly honed your craft. There's a lot to, uh, a lot to give there. Um, you've shared with me uh, also about some mentors in your life. I want to talk and, and wrap up around some mentors and also, if we can, about you know balancing the work-life balance. Your mom with a wonderful family and, and yet you are so driven in not only your personal hobbies, but in work and stuff. So we'll get to that. But um, who's helped you along your, your journey to, to push you out of your comfort zone and, and be a mentor and coach to you? So I mentioned Mark Dye originally that really was the most instrumental person to helping me make the pivot away from where I was comfortable into a new 
career trajectory. And so I, and I still to this day, very close to him and always go to him for counsel and advice. And the next kind of pivot or two people that have been most influential and where I am today in my successful sales career are Scott Vaughn and Nathan Lemos. And so Scott and Nathan, and Nathan were at Integrate, and I was at Sixth Sense, and Sixth Sense and Integrate were partners, similar to how we're partners today mm-hmm. and how we have been over the years. And they approached me one day just for conversation. Scott and I had been close for a long time as partners, and we just you know, started to talk about where my passion lies, what I see for the future, et cetera, et cetera. And I knew that it that it was time for me to make my next move for a whole consortium of reasons. But where I was thinking and what I was evaluating was a role similar to the role I was in. It was what I knew and what I was good at. And as I was talking more deeply with them, they just posed the question to me, what about, what do you think about moving into a sales role? And I thought, what, are you crazy? Why would I do that? I, I, I do this. I do this really well. I get compensated well for it. Why would I take that risk of cutting my income back for something that I'm not sure I know and I know well mm-hmm. for the potential that's out there? And then they both looked at me and said, that's so not the answer I would expect from you <laughs> because I, you know, I genuinely am all about where can I accelerate? Where can I learn more, et cetera? Not where can I stay in my comfort zone? But I was really uncomfortable because I didn't have formal sales training. Mm -hmm. Integrate was a fast growth company. And I said to them, wow, if you're willing to take a chance on me and you're willing to teach me, I'm willing to make this move and take this chance. And so that's what we ended up doing. And I joined Integrate at the end of 2016 And the role when I first started for most of 2017 was partially marketing, mostly sales, but still a little bit of that marketing flavor, which was my comfort zone. And then as we started to move into 2018, uh, Nathan had moved on. In comes Scott McNabb as the sales leader on the team I was on. And he just said to me, we need you 100% focused on sales. You're, you know, providing value. You're selling customers, you're delivering revenue. We need you focused on sales, not marketing. We're going to have people to do marketing. And I wasn't given an option at that point. And mm-hmm. I was, I was uneasy mm-hmm. because again, it was out of my comfort zone, but yeah. um, I embraced it by storm. So full years of 2018 and 2019 have been a hundred percent dedicated to sales. And I have to say they've been the best two years in my career. Um, Scott was super helpful for me because he comes from a much more traditional big company sales background. So Mm -hmm. he did provide a lot of training and education that I had never had. Um, He's no longer with us now, but I feel like I'm on top of my game, still learning, always learning. I feel like I'm a sponge and whether I have people internally to teach me or I'm seeking external resource, reading um, classes, et cetera. I'm just, I'm having so much fun and I love what I'm doing. That's awesome. Let's chat about the balance, work-life balance uh, and family. How how are you doing in terms of managing that? And what would you say in terms of advice for sales? And, and you know, my sister uh, has spent her entire career 
in sales. So I've got to experience firsthand someone who I love and adore and see her as a mother and wife and just, you know, champion in the workplace. And this, it's difficult. It's very difficult, especially when she's on the road a lot and traveling a lot um, to find that balance. And she has a, you know, wonderful husband, my, my brother-in-law who, um, you know, they, they divide and conquer. What's, what's it like for Franny? How do you do it? Uh, it's very challenging. It's gotten a little bit easier as of late because my children are all out of the house now. But I will say that I, when I do something, I am all in. And it is never a good choice to have to make between work, career, and family, children, husband. If you ask my family, they will most certainly say my life is imbalanced and I spend more time dedicated to work than I do to family. I work on that. I'm aware of it. Um, I, I do the best that I can. And I don't feel that over my years of raising children that my children have suffered at all. I've been there for them for, and, and truly been there emotionally for everything that they have needed, wanted, and then some. And I genuinely feel that I'm a good role model to all of my children. I have two, two daughters and one son. Yeah. But to all of my children to show them that, you know what, life isn't perfect mm-hmm. and you have to work hard. Things are not handed to you. And sometimes you have to make tough choices. I've missed some birthdays. I've missed some baseball games. I've missed some dance recitals. But at the end of the day, I feel like the relationship I have with my children is exceptional. They respect me. They admire me. They trust me. And you know what? They want to be just like me when they grow up. So that I feel, I feel grateful well, for. Well, that's that's the sincerest form of of compliment and 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 role model there. I right. I I don't know if I can say the same about myself. I mean, I have a wonderful relationship with my daughters, but we do talk about work life balance and um, certainly for mm-hmm. thirteen plus years, you know, building and growing a company as CEO. Like you say, you make you make sacrifices. I I, I hope and feel like they mm-hmm. understand those sacrifices, but we talk about it and the trade offs that have happened because it's a really healthy conversation to have with your kids when when you're trying to find that balance and and you know you you show up to them and say, you know what. I didn't make the best decision there. I wish I was there for this, or I'm sorry I missed that. And you, and you talk about it, um, not to give excuses, but just just and especially the older that they get, because it's it's a great conversation to have. Um, Franny, I uh, again so proud of you. It's uh, I know it was a big leap for you to kind of depart the official titles and roles that you've had in the past to become. 100% focused on sales, but you know, you can take Franny out of marketing and alliances, but you can't take that, that skill set out of you. And it, it absolutely has helped you to become so successful at what you do. I want to encourage you to, to take your expertise and learnings and, and help others and teach others. It's been incredibly rewarding for me and my team to build a whole career around helping people with demand generation and driving revenue and that type of stuff. And I find it incredibly rewarding. Um, and it's one of the reasons I do the podcast, to bring folks like you to teach and inspire and share. So don't don't stop here, Franny. And, and that that is my ad- advice to you. may not be the right time in your career to do it now because of everything going on, uh, but it's good. And hey, uh, I hope one of you is more successful than me uh, at hiring Franny onto your sales team someday. <laughs> the folks at Integrate won't like me saying that, but you are amazing at what you do and and top tops and, and the results show, but you're also just a phenomenal human human being. So uh, keep doing what you do. What's, what is next for you uh, 
this year in terms of uh, now that you're having some really, really big wins, um, you just, do you keep charging forward or anything changing in terms of your game plan? No, I am charging forward, you know, especially now with the market volatility. Um, I believe in what we do here at Integrate and I really believe heartfelt in my customers and how we're helping them. And um, we, we need to stay strong and support everyone. So head down, um, keep doing what I'm doing and look forward to the future. Cool. Well, I'm going to let you go and I'm going to let all of you go. And I just want to say thank you very much to all of you uh, for spending the last 45 minutes with Franny and I. I think it's great that you are taking a break from the stream of news and information that's happening in the world around us to spend this quality time. And I encourage you, um, wherever you are right now, grab another episode, whether it's another episode of Demand Gen Radio or another podcast um, and just take some time for yourself and let yourself, you know, just kind of mentally decompress. Keep doing that um, right now. There, there's nothing better probably for yourself and for your family. Just unplug a little bit because, as you said, Franny, this, this too shall pass. And um, it's important that we, we keep things in balance in our head and not get too drawn into the, the negative news and what's happening around us. Absolutely. I appreciate uh, being a guest. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Franny. Have a good day and have a great day to all of you. We'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 